This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. listening to the giving thought podcast uh this is episode 20 of the podcast uh from the charities aid foundation's think tank giving thought in which we look at the big issues of today uh, from the news and beyond and see what their relevance is to the world of philanthropy and civil society um and this week is the second of our two-parter on death and taxes you may remember last week that i banged on about the history of death and what might happen in the future around philanthropy well, as promised, this week I'm going to attempt to make tax interesting for the duration of the podcast. I joke about it, but actually, when you start digging into it, uh, even though it can seem quite dry and technical, tax and its relationship with philanthropy raises some pretty sort of fundamental questions about the nature and role of philanthropy in society. And it's actually a really good lens to use to kind of bring some of those issues into focus. The reason for that, um, if you think about it, is that questions about philanthropy and its role quite often boil down to concerns either about kind of what its role is in society, and that immediately raises a question of how it relates to the state and the market, which obviously leads on to a question about government's attitude to philanthropy and what role it plays. Well, given that one of the main levers that government has in policy terms for incentivizing things or showing um, uh, encouragement for them is the tax system the way in which governments choose to offer incentives for charitable giving in particular and I should say that in this episode I'm going to be focusing very much on tax relief for donations rather than the tax treatment of charities themselves the tax treatment of donations is a very important bellwether for the overall governmental attitude towards charities also at a wider societal level there's quite often controversy about particular charitable donations or donations going to specific causes. And you can think of things like public schools here in the UK or charter schools in the US or the ongoing controversies about think tanks and um, churches and other religious groups, opera houses. And and quite often, the if you really kind of delve into these arguments, unless somebody can make a case that they just sort of fundamentally object to those donations because they distort the nature of democracy, usually it will come down to somebody saying that, uh, well, they wouldn't mind if a person was able to just give their money to that cause um, and that was the end of it. But what they really don't want is any of their tax money going to support that person's donation through the tax system and tax incentives. So actually, both the kind of the nature of tax incentives for giving, the justification for them, but also what they apply to, all of these are fundamentally important when it comes to understanding the role of philanthropy in modern society. It's also an area in which there's quite regular controversies um, around philanthropy. Um, so it's worth saying, you know, at the moment, it's very much a live issue in the States because in the recent um, US Tax Cut and Jobs Act that um, President Trump and his administration introduced with these sweeping tax cuts, one of the things that happened in that was a, a pretty fundamental change to the standard deduction available to taxpayers, um, which might seem 
quite a positive thing. Uh, you know, more people were able to just write off uh, the kind of standard amount of, of tax through their tax return. But from the point of view of non-profits, this was seen as potentially quite a dangerous thing because the US system relies on people basically being itemizing taxpayers rather than taking the standard deduction because it's only then that they actually properly list their charitable donations and that that gets treated um, in the kind of full way by the tax system so a lot of non-profits were very concerned about this and, and were kind of lobbying very hard against it and that's happened you know previously in the states where there's always a kind of ongoing question about whether the charitable deduction should be changed in one way or another um, and we're not immune from it over here in the UK either. Um, some of you might remember a few years ago, back in 2012, in the uh, the budget of that year, the Chancellor at the time, George Osborne, tried to introduce um, a measure which would have limited people's uh, ability to uh, reclaim the personal rate relief through through gift aid. Um, and a lot of higher rate taxpayers and major donors were up in arms. And I, you know, I was quite involved, uh, CAF was quite involved, as were a lot of other organisations in pointing out the perverse consequences that this might have in terms of damaging donations from, from wealthier donors. Um, and actually that uh, proposal was overturned in the end. So the Chancellor did a U-turn, which tied into a lot of other problems he had with that particular budget. Um, and the issue went away for a while. It's also worth saying that, you know, as ever, <laughs> you'll find out on this podcast, um, this kind of thing is absolutely not a new phenomenon. If you look at the, the history of the tax treatment of donations, um, for instance, here in the UK, uh, back in the late 1800s, the Prime Minister at the time, William Gladstone, um, went on a sort of one-man crusade against charitable tax relief, primarily because at the time... Uh, there was only tax relief for legacy donations rather than donations from living donors. And Gladstone uh, really kind of fundamentally hated inherited wealth and the way in which it shaped society. Um, and he, so he was very annoyed about the fact that kind of endowed wealth could be left after death for philanthropic reasons or other reasons. And his solution to the fact, to the problem uh, that there was only, that there was kind of disparity between the treatment of legacy donations and donations from people who were still alive was not to extend the tax break to people who were still alive, but to go in the other direction and try and get rid of uh, the tax break for legacy donations. So he tried to force this through Parliament um, and it uh, ended in. Um, a very strong debate between him and his big, his long-term political rival, Benjamin Disraeli, which is worth looking up on Hansard, actually. It's quite an interesting one, if you like that kind of thing, which I do. Um, and also <laughs> amazing reports in the Times um, from from contemporary uh, sources um, that of deputations of kind of hundreds of the great and the good of, of London at the time going along and, and cramming into the the, the Chancellor's office um, and making the case for why this was a terrible idea and would result in in kind of London society falling apart at the seams. Um, and again, despite his commitment to doing it, Gladstone uh, went back on his decision because he couldn't force it through Parliament. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that this is one of those things in the philanthropy world that is very much cyclical. In the next section, having kind of hopefully convinced you that there is some value to talking about uh, the tax treatment of donations and what it means for philanthropy, I want to delve in a bit more detail at looking for what the actual underlying justification might be for offering relief on donations. So uh, stay tuned for that. 
Okay, um, this is section two, and as I promised, in this section we're going to take a bit more of a deep dive to look at what the kind of underlying tax uh, justification for offering tax breaks for donations might be. Um, I think this is pretty important because it has a quite a profound um, effect on the way in which don't the kind of pragmatic way in which donations are offered uh, in terms of what causes they apply to um, and kind of what level they're set at. So I think you need to start from from a point of knowing why as a government it is that you think it's worth offering these things in the first place. I'll, I'm going to follow here the um, the kind of taxonomy set out by the Stanford uh, political philosopher Rob Reich, who's written a lot about uh, philanthropy and is, I think, one of the most interesting academics working in this, this area today. And his um, way of looking at it is there's kind of broadly three ways in which you could justify offering tax breaks for donations two of which he doesn't think work and I think I agree with him and then one which he thinks does so the first one he calls the tax base rationale and this is the idea that essentially you have to uh, discount charitable gifts from uh, someone's taxable income before you calculate that tax because they've given it away so that it's not appropriate for them to to tax it's not appropriate for the government to tax them on it um the idea being that you know to establish the the tax base in the first place you need to get rid of those things that don't count and keep in those things that do and charitable gifts are one of those things that don't count the the kind of fundamental problem with this is it doesn't really distinguish between gifts that are given away to charity or for good causes or gifts that might be given to non-charitable causes or even to family friends or you know something like that that would never be seen as counting as charitable so essentially the kind of objection to this is it it doesn't really tell you why charitable giving should be differentiated from discretionary spending in any way so it doesn't really work as as a justification and actually if you try and defend this justification by saying oh no well charitable gifts are different because they're going to the public good and they're achieving something for society it's not just about personal benefit well you've sort of moved from an intrinsic justification about the fact that it's a gift and what that means for calculating your tax to looking at external factors about what that gift actually achieves and that immediately moves you into a different type of justification and this is the, the second justification that Reich identifies, which he calls the subsidy rationale. And this is probably the one that you hear put forward most often. So this is the idea that tax incentives for charitable donations should be justified on the basis that they are subsidies for things that the government would otherwise have to deliver through direct public expenditure. So, you know, the idea that it's a good idea to give people tax breaks to incentivize them to give to hospitals or medical research, because otherwise it's the sort of thing that government would have to fund itself. The problem with this justification, which you do see put forward quite a lot, um, to my mind, is that it doesn't really work in practice for at least two reasons. I mean, one is the fact that whenever you look at the amounts of of uh, philanthropic spending and public spending, um, they're just non-comparable. I mean, as Bill Gates said, and I think I've quoted before, philanthropy is at best a rounding error when you're talking about these things. So it's kind of irrelevant whether or not you think philanthropy could be um, a replacement for public spending. It just isn't of a sufficient scale to do that in any meaningful way it might be a kind of useful addition or act as a catalyst or those sorts of things but it can't be a direct replacement um the other reason is that when you look at the profile of um 
philanthropic spending versus public expenditure, they are totally different. I mean, here in the UK, in the UK for instance, the the overall the majority of value of donation goes on religious causes, and then after that, it's medical research and children's, um, and very little goes on things like education. Whereas if you look at the um, profile of public spending, um, you know, it's, it's extraordinarily different and much larger sums go on things that attract much lower amounts of, of donations. And the same is exactly um, true in, in the US and in other places. And this goes back to what we've talked about in the previous episode of the podcast about the fact that, you know, at a micro level, philanthropy is about uh, the individual choices of um, people voluntarily giving to things they care about for one reason or another. But then at a macro level, that means that it's not necessarily very rational or effective as a large scale means of redistribution. So justifying tax breaks for it on that basis doesn't really work. And that brings us on to the third possible justification, which is the one I think does work, which is the pluralism rationale. And the shift you make here is say, well, rather than thinking about these incentives for for donations as a specific uh, subsidy for particular services the government would otherwise have to to, um, provide, how we should look at it is as a generalized subsidy for an overall healthy civil society. So this is the idea that actually what the government should value is not specific you know services or things that the voluntary sector or civil society delivers but just civil society itself um, both in terms of the work it does but also things that the government would never fund like advocacy um, and kind of campaigning against government policy seems slightly ironic but also you know the the engagement of individuals um, in civil society through donations and volunteering has its own inherent benefit and that is worth supporting through the tax system and it's interesting to note from a historical point of view that uh, nobody's ever really been this clear about uh, why it is that they are introducing tax breaks so if you look in the US for instance um, the charitable deduction was introduced in 1917 as part of the um, the war effort for the first world war um, when partly it was because they had to put up income tax enormously in order to raise money for the war effort uh, and they wanted to, at the same time, try and maintain donations towards things that would help towards the war, um, both in the US and abroad. So they offered very generous uh, tax donation, uh, tax incentives for that. So it was kind of a pragmatic rationale rather than anything else. Um, and the situation is even worse here in the UK, where uh, tax relief on individual donations was essentially introduced as a mistake. Um, so historically, there hadn't been any tax relief on donations charities themselves had been uh, exempt from income tax and in the early to mid 19th century um, a kind of workaround had emerged where people became able to establish a deed of covenant between themselves so a wealthy individual and a particular charity which would allow them to transfer their tax liability to the charity and then once they transferred their income tax liability obviously the charity itself was exempt so essentially the income tax disappeared and there was an effective um, tax relief on the donation. But it was really a workaround and didn't have the status of anything more than a gentleman's agreement. Um, And again, Gladstone hated it and so did quite a few other people. And then eventually in the Finance Act of 1922, the government decided to be really clever um, and clamp down on this arrangement. But unfortunately what they did, uh, instead of getting rid of it outright because that wasn't quite saleable, they decided to introduce a stipulation that 
any such deed of covenant of less than seven years would be deemed invalid. Um, but what they didn't really think through was that by putting that into law, they'd also established the converse, which was that any deed of covenant of seven years or more was valid. And so for the first time enshrined in law, the seven-year deed of charitable covenant um, was born. Um, and that was the first time there had been a kind of official tax relief for, for charitable donations in the UK. Um, and covenants existed for quite a, a long time in the UK, um, quite sort of complicated and legalistic. And then eventually in uh, 1990, gift aid was introduced. Um, and then the, the limit, the lower limit on donations for that was lowered over time so that it became more democratic and available uh, to more people. And that's led to the system that we that we have today in the UK, um, which is complicated i would say but does mean that pretty much anybody can get a tax relief on their donation in their third and final section um we're just going to come on to go on to another question which is if we assume that tax relief for charitable donations can be justified in some way what do we then decide about uh how we actually introduce them and should you know what evidence is there about whether they work and whether the different ways in which we could offer them work and and how can that guide our decision um so stay tuned for that back in a minute and we're back um okay we're here for the third and final section and i'll try and keep this one relatively tight as i've been meandering around a bit as i want to do um, and in this one, I want to look at the question of whether or not charitable um, tax reliefs for donations actually work and what that should tell us about the best ways um, of offering them. Um, so we've done a bit of work on on this at CAF over the last few years. Um, my erstwhile former podcast colleague, Adam Pickering, um, was involved in a couple of reports, um, one called Donation States and another one called uh, the Rules to Give By Index uh, in partnership with Nexus Global Youth Summit. And these were a couple of different types of international comparisons looking at the ways in which different countries offered tax relief for donations. I mean, first of all, whether they did or not, and then kind of what format they offered them in, and correlating that against different measures of generosity, particularly our World Giving Index, but also kind of other measures. I mean, the sort of the top line finding from that is that there is an obvious correlation between those countries that actually offer some kind of tax relief for giving and the level of generosity in that country. Um, I mean, I say correlation because it's you can't say that it's causation, obviously, because you're not sure in which way that runs. But it is true that those countries that offer them are more generous countries, whether you know it's because of that or it causes that. We don't know. Um but even given that, you know, there are still very big questions about the nature of uh, the incentives um, in terms of, you know, the level at which they're set. Because it's, you know, it's not set in stone that you should offer 100% relief on donations. And actually, very few countries do. The UK is quite unusual in doing that. Um, there are also questions about what causes they apply to. Should it apply to all charities or any sort of specific subset of them? Um, and what assets they apply to. I mean, we're sort of assuming we're talking about cash, but there's all kinds of other things like uh, shares, gifts of donate, you know, unwanted goods, clothes, um, works of art, all these kinds of things. And there's a question about how uh, tax reliefs apply to those um, and kind of whether the levels are set the same and how the system works and all this sort of stuff. There's also a pretty fundamental question um, that often gets overlooked about whether you offer 
the tax relief in the form of a deduction, which is usually assumed to be the case, partly because that's the way it's done in the US. So obviously, you know, what you do with a deduction is you take the amount of your donations summed up and you take it away from your income from the year uh, when you're calculating your, your tax bill. But the one of the the obvious kind of uh, objections against that is that it's not very progressive in the sense that it immediately has um, an upside down effect because people who are on a um, higher tax rate get more of a benefit from uh, being able to do that than those on lower. So they actually the cost of giving is is reduced uh, more for those people than it is for people on lower rates of tax. And to some people, that seems quite unfair. Um, and one way around that is to offer the um, incentive instead in the form of a tax credit. So with a tax credit, rather than taking the money off your tax bill in the first place, your tax bill for everyone is calculated in the same way. And then you get a flat uh, credit, a flat amount of cash, essentially, that you can put towards paying your tax bill. Um, and that's progressive because that cash works the same for, for everyone, regardless of what rate of tax they were paying. It just means that they have that amount of money to go towards their tax bill. And there are some countries that offer uh, tax incentives in the form of credit. So Canada does, uh, France, I believe, does. The UK is odd in that the gift aid system is a, a strange sort of hybrid. The basic rate bit looks a little bit like a credit, albeit one where the money goes to the charity rather than the individual at the basic rate. And then there's a higher rate bit that works more like a deduction. So it's it's a bit peculiar. Putting aside that question for a minute, there are kind of quite a lot of uh, interesting studies looking at something called price elasticity. And I guess this, this relates particularly to deductions. Um, and what these look at is how responsive people actually are to changes in the tax system when it comes to making donations to charity, um, usually through deduction systems. And and that's interesting because it tells you something about how effective those um, uh, incentives actually are at uh, convincing people to give. Because if you can show that increasing the rate of tax means that people make a, a corresponding increase in their donations that's great and tells you that those incentives probably work quite effectively but if you raise the rate of tax for instance and people don't raise the rate of their donations in the same way then it, it sort of poses a question about whether that's the most effective way of getting money towards um, supporting a healthy civil society and actually there was an interesting report out um just uh, last week or a week before uh, from the University of Birmingham who've just set up a big centre on tax research um, in partnership with the National Audit Office and they put out a huge study on uh, gift aid based on self-assessment returns so looking primarily at the kind of higher rate bit of gift aid and this study which I ploughed through in quite a lot of detail partly because I got asked to give a quote for the Financial Times about it ooh uh, um, this suggested that whilst higher rate taxpayers do respond to a change in the tax rate through through gift aid, the, the price elasticity that they found was only minus 0.27. And what that means is um, that a change in the tax rate of £1 would only result in 27p extra in terms of donations. Um, so it's not treasury efficient, which means that you get a kind of one for one uh, uh, correspondence. And this raises a question um, about whether or not gift aid works in its current form. And I guess 
I mean, I had to think this through for the conversation I had with the journalist at the FT, and I felt thankful that I'd spent quite a lot of time thinking about kind of um, uh, justifications for tax breaks. Because I guess my my point of view is that if you held the subsidy rationale, which, if you'll remember, was the one where you believe that the point of these incentives is to kind of get specific services the government would otherwise have to provide then no, this probably shows that gift aid isn't a very good way of doing it because it would just be better for the government to spend that additional pound directly on the service rather than giving it to an individual and only getting 27p back. But if you believe the pluralism rationale and believe that there is kind of additional inherent value in in showing support for the idea of, of giving and kind of uh, having a, a generous society and the agency that comes with giving and the kind of pluralism that comes with allowing people to give to a wide range of things, then you can still justify this. But I still you still then have to take into account the fact that it doesn't look enormously efficient and that there is a very valid question about whether it would be better for the higher rate uh, portion of gift aid to go directly to the charity in the same way that the basic rate does and i think this is a question that you know the charity sector and policymakers will have to grapple with um, which might sound extremely technical and dry and having been involved in quite a lot of conversations about gift aid over the years they can be (laughs) extremely technical and extremely dry um, but it, it is very important because it will fundamentally affect the amount of money available for good causes here in the UK. I think on that note about questions for the future, just before we go, I think you know there are some other very fascinating things that are going to need to be answered in the coming years about the ways in which existing charitable tax reliefs apply to new methods of donation and also entirely new kinds of assets. I mean, we talked on the podcast before about the idea that cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology for instance um, might present you know entirely new digital asset classes which could be harnessed for good causes but when it comes to the tax treatment of them nobody's really answered questions about how these things are are most appropriately going to be taxed Um, at the moment they're kind of lumped in with shares and gifts of assets because that seems most natural well actually they are in the uk but i think that the treatment is different in the u.s But I think this is an issue that's probably going to come increasingly to the fore um, in coming years. Okay, I think that's probably a good point to leave it. Hopefully I've managed to uh, keep you awake and also to convince you that thinking about issues to do with tax uh, in relation to philanthropy is actually uh, extremely interesting and raises some pretty sort of fundamental questions about kind of political theory and philosophy of, of philanthropy, which obviously are the kind of things I love. Um, So all that it remains to say is thanks very much for listening. Um, And if you've got any thoughts about things we could be doing on the podcast to make it better or issues we keep talking about, uh, drop us a line at givingthought at cafonline.org. I'll put links to um, the reports and various blog posts and things that I've mentioned in the podcast in the show notes. Um, If you're interested in the kinds of things we're talking about here, check out, you know, loads of content that we've got on the giving thought section of the CAF website. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Rodri underscore H underscore Davis and uh, tell all your friends about this podcast. Share, like uh, and subscribe and I'll see you next time. Okay, bye.